0: The following message was recorded at Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. For more information and resources from Shades Valley, please visit us at shadesvalley.org.
1: Good morning. I have the honor of reading from the book of Proverbs this morning. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. By the blessing of those with integrity, a city is exalted, and by the mouth of the wicked it is demolished. Those who respond before they listen are stupid and a disgrace. Those who hold back their speech know wisdom, and those who are cool-headed are people of Apples of gold in a silver setting it is a word spoken in its right timing. It is to give an answer how good a word at the right time those who bless their neighbors with a loud voice in the morning a curse to them don't answer fools according to their stupidity otherwise you will become like them yourself answer fools according to their stupidity otherwise they will become wise in their own eyes The heart of the righteous meditates before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil. Do you see people who are hasty with their words? There is more hope for a fool than for them. People who keep a watch on their mouths guard their lives. Those who spread their lips wide ruin it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise knowledge and wisdom, and instruction. This is the word of the Lord.
0: So today we are going to be taking a break from our series through the book of Revelation, and we're going to return to a book we studied last summer, the, the book of Proverbs. If you're anything like me, then I imagine that you tend to not take the Proverbs very seriously. Uh, It's probably not a place that you go in your quiet time for deep meditation and reflection. That can be the case for me. But I think this is a shame because the book of Proverbs offers something that you and I desperately need. And that is wisdom. Uh, As I pray for our body, I find myself time And time again, in almost every single prayer, praying this, Lord, would you give them wisdom? Would you give them wisdom to act rightly in the midst of all of life's complexities, to live in the gray, to live in this moment that we did not see coming? And it's this wisdom that the book of Proverbs offers wisdom in how to live faithfully. And the day in and the day out is God's and Jesus Christ's disciples. Mm-hmm. And one area that the Proverbs talks a lot about, Park read a, a lot of Proverbs this morning, but that doesn't even scratch the surface. Uh, the Proverbs speak a lot about our speech, about our communication, about wise speech, and about foolish speech. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning together, is what the Proverbs have to say about our speech. And while much can be said, I just want us to look at five things together. Five things that I think the Proverbs teach about speech, foolish speech and wise speech. All right, so first, the wise person understands the power of their speech. The wise person understands the power of their speech. We've all heard the proverb, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, we did not hear that proverb from the Bible, and if your parents told you that, they lied to you. Um, and in fact, that proverb goes against the grain of the proverbial wisdom that we find in the scriptures, Proverbs eighteen twenty one: death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, the second line is a little ambiguous. Scholars debate its meaning, but the first line's clear. Um, our words, the words that we speak, will have serious effects. Our words are powerful. This is not true just on the individual level, but on the communal level. Proverbs eleven eleven, By the blessing of those with integrity, a city is exalted. And by the mouth of the wicked, it is demolished. What's it saying? Wise words bring life and bring healing to a community, while wicked or foolish words bring death and destruction. What's so scary about this, and something we can contemplate on this morning, is that that is true both literally and metaphorically, can bring life or can bring death. When you read the book of James, you'll find that it echoes the book of Proverbs when it speaks about the tongue. It reveals the power of the tongue through analogies. Do you remember what they are? A horse is controlled by what? A small bit in their mouth. A large ship is driven by what? A small rudder. A whole forest is set ablaze by what? Just a little spark. All of these analogies are inviting you and I this morning to meditate on the power that our tongue possesses. It is a small member of the body, but it boasts of great things. The proverb invites us to reflect on the power that just a few words can have. I I think this is a good word for us this morning because in our current moment, I think it can be easy for us to think that our words don't have any power. Uh, Recently, I've never heard anyone say, I I really wish that there was more news out there. Just just not enough news outlets. Mm -hmm. I've never heard anyone say, I really wish that more people would be willing to share their opinions online. Just don't have enough opinions. Recently, I haven't heard anyone say, "I really hope we get to talk about the pandemic and politics at the next large family gathering." Wouldn't that be fun? Right. Um, each day we are flooded with so many words. Each day we are flooded with so many opinions. Right um and all these words and all these opinions are saying so many different things and i think that can get us to think that you know our words don't really matter there's so many words out there and i use so many words that my words really don't have any effect or any power it'll just be lost in the noise you feel that Or maybe the sea of voices leads us to think that we can say whatever we want, in whatever way we want, to whoever we want, and there won't be any real effects. Because there's so many words. And because we use so many words. The Proverbs tell us otherwise. They invite us to reflect on the power of our words. The power for good and the power for evil. All right. Secondly, the Proverbs teach that the wise person listens before they speak. The wise person listens before they speak. I like the translation of Proverbs 18.13 that Park read because it's so gracious. It says, Those who respond before they listen are stupid and a disgrace. Proverbs 17.27 says something in a similar way, more graciously. Those who hold back their speech know wisdom, and those who are cool-headed are people of understanding. I think Saturday Night Live uh, gives us the perfect picture of foolish, foolish speech in their well-known skit, Target Lady. Maybe you're familiar with this skit. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. But in the skit, the Target Lady, played by Kristen Wiig, is an overly enthusiastic, slightly dense, overwhelmingly cheery Target employee that works at the register. And she startles and disturbs customers with her excessive enthusiasm and cheer. What's clear from the interaction in the skit after she's seen several customers, is that she never listens to them. She rarely hears anything that they have to say. If they say something that piques her interest, uh, she interrupts them to say whatever has come to her mind, whether it applies or not to anything that they were talking about. She's not mean. Uh, She doesn't tear down her customers, but she's either talking or she's thinking about what she's going to say next. And in her communication to other people, it's clear that she's not taking into account the conversation, what these people are saying, or their body language. And because of that, she is exhausting to talk to. She's impossible to talk to. The Proverbs teach that if we are to be a people characterized by wise speech, then we must be a people who listen well. We must be a people whose communication with others is characterized by silence. Say that again. We must be a people whose communication with others is characterized by silence. Why? Real silence gives us the opportunity to put ourselves in the other person's shoes. Whether they are a friend or an enemy. Real silence gives space for understanding, for empathy, for compassion. Real silence gives space for understanding. Understanding the other so that our response does not come from caricatures, from hasty generalizations, from false assumptions, from misunderstandings, You see, real silence in conversation is an acknowledgement of our humanity. That we are human and that we don't have a God's eye perspective on the world. We don't have a bird's eye view of the world. And we do not have the vision to see right into the heart of the person that we're talking to. To practice silence in speech is to acknowledge our humanity and it is to give space for listening. These Proverbs invite us, and maybe in a direct way, maybe in a harsh way, but they invite us to examine our silence and our speech. Now, I don't know where you're at in the sermon. For me, when I begin to get into the Proverbs, I very quickly can go, Wow. You know, so-and-so really needs to hear this one. But we need to be careful not to miss the log in our own eye as we try to remove the speck from our brothers, our sisters, right? Um, While I was writing this sermon, the Lord graciously revealed something to me. He revealed that I'm the target lady. And specifically, I'm the target lady in my marriage. I have a witness that can testify right here. Often in conversation, my wife will stop what she's talking about and she'll say, you're not listening to me, are you? To which I respond, babe, of course I'm listening to you. Now, we all know that I'm not listening to her. And the reason that I'm not listening to her is because I am so concerned with what i'm going to say next i am so concerned i am so consumed with my own words i am so quick to try to solve her problem to try to fix it because i know the clear solution that she is oblivious to right and if she would just listen to me right that's what i'm thinking while she's talking not listening and in my ability to have silence in my inability excuse me to have silence in my inability to listen in my inability to have understanding and compassion and empathy when I speak I show that I'm playing the role of the fool and I don't speak wisely Where do you need to practice silence in your speech? Where do you need to put yourself in the shoes of the other? Where do you need to stop and listen? We will never be a people that love and serve others if we cannot be a people that listen to others. We will never be a people that put others before ourselves And show them the love of Jesus Christ if we can't be a people that can practice empathy, understanding, and compassion. If we can't listen, the wise person listens before they speak. Okay, number three. Number three. The wise person speaks at the right time. The wise person speaks at the right time. I think this is a good word for us. And this is so important to understanding why speech in the Proverbs, right? Um, for the Proverbs, and, and this is worth reflecting on this morning. For the Proverbs, a right word at a wrong time can be a wrong word. A right word at a wrong time can be a wrong word. You can be right. Don't you love being right? Oh, I love it. You can be right and you can speak in a way that's unwise. Proverbs 25, 11, Apples of gold in a silver setting is a word spoken in its right timing. Proverbs 15 23. It is a joy to a person to give an answer. How good a word is. At the right, what, time. Timing. Timing. Uh, Proverbs 27.14 shows that bad timing can actually turn a blessing into a curse for someone. We laughed as, as Park read it. Those who bless their neighbors with a loud voice early in the morning, it will be a curse to them. Yeah, all you morning people. Maybe an hour later, after the rest of us have woken up and maybe had a cup of coffee, the word would be a blessing. Timing. A blessing, that's turned into a curse because of bad timing. Another example is found in Proverbs chapter 26. and, And as a college student, I can remember reading this and it just totally stumped me. I had no clue what was going on. Uh, 26 verses 4 and 5, the first Proverbs says, Don't answer fools according to their stupidity. Otherwise, you will become like them yourself. Next verse. Answer fools according to their stupidity. Otherwise, they will become wise in their own eyes. Well, Proverbs, uh, which is it? Is this a contradiction in the Bible? (gasps) No. No. The answer is that the wise person will read the situation. They will read the room, if you will. They will read the person that they're speaking to to know which proverb is true for which circumstances. The proverbs must be applied in the right setting. And the wise person knows what proverb should be applied to which setting. Um, So sometimes it's wise to speak up to the fool, right? But then at other times, it's not. Well, how do you know? You have to take into consideration the person, the situation, what's happening. The formula for the Proverbs for wise speech is this, generally speaking. It is, in order to have wise speech, it is the right word to the right person at the right time. The right word to the right person at the right time. A word of advice or rebuke has inherent value like a golden apple. But when given at the right time, It is as if the apple is given on a setting of silver. It is enhanced. Now, as you think through this, you might be thinking, Brad, this is a lot to consider and think through before we speak publicly, before we post on the internet, before we engage in an argument, before we try to persuade, rebuke, or exhort someone. My answer, yes, yes it is which leads me to my fourth point the wise person is slow to speak the wise person is slow to speak let me read these proverbs proverbs 15:28 the heart of the righteous meditates before answering but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil proverbs 29:20 20, do you see people who are hasty with their words There is more hope for a fool than for them. Proverbs 13.3, people who keep a watch on their mouths guard their lives. Those who spread their lips wide ruin it. Recently, I saw this proverbial wisdom echoed in the American musical Hamilton. Now, I know what you might be thinking, a Hamilton illustration, Brad, you're a little late to the game. It's true, but we're going to do this anyway. Um, in the song Nonstop, Hamilton is trying to persuade Aaron Burr to write essays with him defending the U.S. Constitution to the public, essays which would become known as the Federalist Papers. In the song, Hamilton says to Burr, Burr, you're a better lawyer than me. I know I talk too much, I'm abrasive. You're incredible in court, you're succinct, persuasive. My client needs a strong defense. You're the solution. I thought about wrapping that, but I didn't want everyone to leave. Right? You're a better lawyer than me. I know I talk too much. You're incredible in court. Why? You're succinct, persuasive. I think it's interesting, one, because many biblical scholars think that the Proverbs, or some of the Proverbs that talk about speech Uh, came out of, arose out of a legal setting. But then also, I I think Hamilton's contrast to Burr in the song gives us a picture of wise speech, as speech that the Proverbs deem wise. Um, As we've seen, the wise person understands the power of their speech. They practice silence. They listen. They seek to understand. And instead of being quick to spew words or to fill the awkward silence by word vomiting, they sit in silence. They meditate. They consider the situation. They read the person. And they consider the right time to speak. And they use their words only when they deem necessary. This is wise speech. Alan Jacobs is the Distinguished Professor of Humanities in the Honors Program at Baylor University, and he's a writer on culture and technology, and he has suggested uh, eight points that cut against the grain of so much thinking today on social media, and I think these points come out of the wisdom of the Proverbs. And so I just wanted to read a few of them to you. One, I don't have to say something just because everyone around me is. Two, I don't have to speak about things that I know little or nothing about. I struggle with that one. Three, I don't have to spend my time in environments that press me to speak without knowledge. Four, delayed communication made when people have had time to think and to calm their emotions is almost always more valuable than immediate reaction. Lastly, some conversations are more meaningful and effective in living rooms or dinner tables. I think those are worth contemplating, maybe having a conversation about. Now, the wise person is slow to speak. That doesn't mean, and I want to be clear, that they don't speak. They're slow to speak, right? So it doesn't mean that the wise person never offends It doesn't mean that the wise person never speaks in a prophetic way. It doesn't mean that the wise person stays silent on important issues, especially issues of injustice. It doesn't mean that they don't speak passionately, especially in areas of injustice, right? It it doesn't mean that they stuff emotions or thoughts inside where no one has access to. I'm not saying that the wise person is silent. What am I saying? That the wise person is slow to speak. They meditate on their speech, and they're not hasty, so that when they come to speak, no matter what they're talking about, they speak in a way that invites. They speak in a way that persuades. They speak in a way that brings healing. That brings sanity to the chaos. That brings truth and righteousness. Paul spoke about speech, our speech, in Ephesians 4.29. Listen to what he says. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. What's he say next? As fits the occasion. Timing that it may give grace to those who hear. Church, we want to be people whose speech builds up. We want to be people whose speech shows and gives grace. We want to be people whether we're giving a word of review, rebu- rebuke, excuse me, whether we're speaking prophetically, whether we're speaking a hard word right, that we know may not initially be received well, no matter what we're speaking, no matter what, we want to speak in a way that brings glory to Jesus Christ. We want to speak in a way that builds up our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to speak in a way that doesn't just bring heat to a situation. We want to speak in a way that brings light to a situation, that brings hope that is honest but is also empowered by the Holy Spirit to bring healing, to glorify Christ. When, When I prepare for a sermon, or I have to speak somewhere publicly, or I'm posting on social media, I don't really do that that much, but before I do, and this is just me, I say, okay, if my speech were to go before the elders of Shades Valley Community Church, and I had to sit down and give a defense of what I just said, whether that's in a room of 20 people or 300 people, could I do that? Would I still say that? And that has been a means that I've seen that has allowed me to slow down, to consider my words, to seek wise counsel from the Lord and from others so that I don't add to the noise, so that I don't add to the chaos, so that I speak in a way that honors the Lord. All right. All right, lastly. Lastly. Last thing I want to say about our wise speech this morning is the wise person speaks from a heart that fears the Lord. Ultimately, the wise person speaks in a way, or speaks, excuse me, from a heart that fears the Lord. When you go to the Proverbs, you will see that the fear of the Lord, I believe this is chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Uh, the fear of the Lord for wisdom literature in, in the Scriptures is the foundation for wisdom. It's the foundation for, for knowledge and understanding. And the fear of the Lord, that idea I've spoken about it before, but I'll say it again because I think it bears, uh, it's it's worth repeating, is uh, the fear of the Lord might have a a negative connotation for some of us, right? So I think we need to understand it. When I'm speaking about the fear of the Lord, I'm not talking about a a fear that would cause one to to run away um, or feel shame. I'm not talking about the fear of an abusive parent. Or spouse, it, it, and the fear that I'm talking about, it's not the fear of eternal judgment. That's the type of fear that perfect love casts out. But at the same time, I think we need to be careful because sometimes you'll hear, "Well, the fear of the Lord, this is just respect," um, and it is. But I think it's more than that. Uh, the fear of the Lord has this sense of coming before God in awe. And if I can say it, terror. (laughs) Um, It's this sense of standing before God who created the entire universe. He holds it all together. He's the one in which you see that your continued existence depends upon. You're standing before one that is so much more powerful than you. One that is so much greater than you are. It causes you to tremble. It it takes your, your breath away. It leaves you in awe. Now, such fear, such a relationship and posture before God brings what? What does it bring? It brings humility. Humility before him. It leads us to listen to him and to obey because we see that he is the foundation of all wisdom. I've said it before, the book of Proverbs is not a self-help book. True wisdom in speech or any other area of life begins with a heart that sees God for who he is. It begins with a heart that knows him and trusts him. And it worships him. It begins with the heart. But Jesus, in, in Luke chapter 6, reveals that our speech is a heart issue. Remember what he said? The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So Jesus says, your speech overflows from your heart, and so therefore your speech reveals your heart. Your speech overflows from your heart, and so therefore your speech reveals your heart. So Can I end by giving you all some good news this morning? We need some good news, don't we? (laughs) God has given you a new heart. God has given you a new heart that can stand in awe of Him. God has given you a new heart that can worship Him and can know Him and can praise Him. Jeremiah and Ezekiel prophesied that God one day would give His people new hearts that what could know him and love him and walk in his ways. And God has done that in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2.4, God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, did what? He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. For by grace... You have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This isn't because anything you've done. What is it? It's the gift of God. Can I tell you the good news this morning? That in Christ, God has given you a new heart. A new heart. And I've seen it in this community. I have seen the work of the Holy Spirit in your speech. I have seen the transformative power of the Holy Spirit as you lift up God, as you taste hope through the words that the Holy Spirit has spoken through you. I've seen God speak through you to open eyes and to unclog ears. I've seen it. Now, to be honest, I have also seen speech in this community that's not wise. I've seen speech that tears down. I've seen speech that adds to the chaos. And I see that speech when I look where? In the mirror. Yes, in my life and in others. I see this speech. So, thank God that we are not justified by our perfect speech. Thank God that we are not justified by having perfectly wise speech. Thank God that we are justified by or through faith excuse me, <laughs> by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ. And so, that is good news that our speech, when we say things, that we go, where did that come from? When, when, we, when we speak unwisely, when we play the role of the fool, when, when I do, that I know that God isn't going to kick me out of the family that I know that truly that's not who I am. And so do you know what that does? That brings me before God, and it allows me to look and to examine my heart. It allows me to go before him and say, Lord, where did that come from? Lord, reveal what's going on in my heart. It may be ugly and it may be hard to deal with, but I know that's not who I am. We can repent. We can investigate, and God can bring about healing so that our speech is transformed. And you know what this does as well? It also empowers us to go in humility before others and to seek forgiveness, to say, I was wrong. I'm sorry, and I love you. I spoke Unwisely, And as we do this, day in and day out, as we bring our hearts before God time and time again, patiently and lovingly, and with so much grace and mercy by the Spirit, he heals us and transforms us to be people whose speech glorify, build up, to be people who give, yes, a prophetic word, a hard word, but a word that is empowered by him. A word that brings healing to a broken world. A, world that, a word that brings healing to a broken world. Amen.